One of my personal favorite effects from a pre-workout supplement is mental focus. You guys know that feeling of being completely dialed in as you're walking into the gym, the tunnel vision state of cognition where you're just ready to make the most out of each and every workout. Let me tell you guys, I've tried a lot of pre-workouts in my time and nothing comes close to the mental focus, elevation in mood and feeling of well-being that you get from Cutler Nutrition Prevail pre-workout supplement. It is the best straight up when it comes to mental focus. It is a maximum focus pre-workout supplement and courtesy of Cutler Nutrition, we are offering you guys 20% off your first tub of Prevail in the flavor of your choice, the seven delicious ones to choose from, I might add, when you use the code FXB upon checkout at massivejoes.com. Use the code FXB to save 20% off your first tub of Cutler Nutrition Prevail. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this pre-workout supplement. Let's get into the show. Let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money moves. You can't see me, my time is now. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mentzel. I am your host, and I have a special guest on the show for you guys, Todd Cowie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, it's good to have you. It's good to be here. Todd and I, a um, little bit of background. We've known each other for uh, many years, uh, mainly through bodybuilding uh, and the fitness industry in general. And um, we just keep bumping into each other at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. And we start talking about the fitness business most of the time is what we end up talking about. And I mentioned to you a couple of weeks back, I was like, Todd, man, like you got to stop interrupting my workouts, first and foremost. But I'm terrible, aren't I? <laughs> more importantly, I need to get you on the podcast because you've got some really interesting and unique experience and some unique insights into the business side of the fitness industry. Uh, and I think that uh, the, the listeners and the viewers of this podcast would really enjoy and appreciate hearing them. So you guys are in for an absolute treat. A um, little bit of a background to Todd. Let me give you a little elevator pitch. And then I'll let you kind of tell your origin story just so the listeners and the viewers understand where you're coming from. Uh, but Todd is the owner of a company called Gym Fix uh, that started as a gym fixing company. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Named very well yeah. uh, for what you guys, but you used to, you know, fix gym equipment yeah. effectively. So, yeah. you know, big commercial gyms, they have equipment and a cable snaps or uh, something needs to be reupholstered or any of that sort of stuff. They give you a call and they say, Todd, Come and fix my gym. Absolutely. And you're like, you called the right We're guy. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now that business does a whole lot of other things. Yeah. And I'll let you kind of talk to that. Uh, you're a husband. Yep. You're a father of two young children. Two boys. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you have in the past competed as a bodybuilder. I have, yeah. A couple of times. A couple of stands, num men's num physique. Number and of times. Bodybuilding. Yeah. yeah. There might be a master's comeback on the cards oh, at some yeah. point. Just about to turn 40, so <laughs> yeah. I might have to make a comeback. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you mentioned you turn you turn 40 in a couple of weeks. So um, so you and I are, are you're a little bit older than me, yeah. but very similar age. Um, and similar sort of exposure to to um, the industry. But yeah. that's your elevator pitch, man. So, yeah. you know, for the listeners and the viewers, um, you know, I know that you're not hugely big on social media and whatnot. No, People yeah. who know who you are, know who you are in the industry. 
But a um, little bit of an origin story. Where, you know, where did you first kind of get into the industry? How did you get into the gym fix business? You know, talk us a little bit through yeah, that. Yeah, so it all started as young footy lad, typical playing school footy, club footy and did a thousand sit-ups every day because we wanted to have good abs for all the girls and that sort of thing. And then I had a family friends that um, – they manufactured gym equipment here in Adelaide. So we were the guinea pigs. We went after school and tried gym equipment and some was good, some was bad. And that was sort of my first introduction into that side. And uh, my parents had an engineering business as well. So uh, I was always sort of around the gym scene, manufacturing scene, and then uh, a massive car fanatic. So first job out of school was working for a V8 supercar team building race cars. So oh, dream job. So how good is that? I know. Straight out of high school. Straight out. So straight into the pros. Straight into it. <laughs> loved it. So traveled yeah. and worked on cars that people dreamed to be around. Was so. that kind of you? So you mentioned that your your parents owned an engineering business. Was that like mechanical engineering? Yeah. Like they were doing cars and so, stuff like that? Yeah. So they had like a CNC machine shop. So they'd build race car parts okay. as well as just general sort of engineering sort of stuff. So, yeah. but my dad raced cars. I raced bikes, cars. So we've always, always been motorheads um, my whole life, you know, before before I was born, my dad was into motor racing. So so we've been lucky enough to be brought up working on bikes, cars and stuff. So I've always been mechanically minded, yeah. pull it apart and, Dad, how do I put it back together? He goes, mate, that's your problem. So work it out. So yeah. that's that's sort of my introduction in terms of the engineering side and fitter and turnering and that sort of thing. So, yeah, so after working for the supercar team for years and – Teams got bored out, sponsorship money left. So I sort of um, come back to Adelaide and started training at all these gyms. And so were you were you touring with the supercar? Yeah, so oh, I did shit. everything. So from um, so fabricating chassis yeah. and I was the crew. I was, did change tires at events. And yeah, so I was full on. Yeah, that's awesome. I, didn't, I did not know that. Yeah, so yeah, I loved that's it. Awesome. It was like, honestly some of the best times of my life. Yeah, so, I can yeah. imagine. And how long so, did you do that for? Two and a half years with um, a team up in Queensland. So straight out of school, moved to Queensland, didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I flew up there solo and loved my job. And yeah, yeah it was a big eye-opener to me being a young lad. And Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. And so you come back to Adelaide. Come back to Adelaide and I thought, what am I going to do? Didn't know what I wanted to do. There was not really that sort of um, little old Adelaide. I love Adelaide, but it's little old Adelaide. There's no race car teams here. There was no... Um, no introduction to that sort of thing on, on that level. So um, worked for my parents a little bit doing um, that. By that time, they progressed from an engineering business to selling engineering products. So did a bit of procurement for them. But after hours, I started building race cars after hours. So people wanted roll cages, chassis, like that sort of stuff. So so worked like an eight to five, then go home, have something to eat, then went, went back and worked till one, two in the morning doing that and that was my side hustle. Yeah. And then um, from there, I was training as well. I've never sort of given up training. I've always sort of been in the gym. I've always, you know, Party e every lifestyle. bloke wants the nice physique. You know, that that's the typical Todd. I just wanted to look good and feel good. So, and it come to the point where I was like, oh, I'm sick of this gym. I'll go to this gym, then go to that gym. We're talking, this is, 12, 13 years ago, and I just look around, there was upholstery torn, there was cables, there was machines out of order for months, and I was just like, what's going on here? And you you go talk to the manager like everyone does now and goes, oh, what, when's this getting repaired? And no one would ever have an answer. So I literally just contacted all the manufacturers and say, hey, who's, who's your technician to do this? And they were like, 
we don't have anyone because we're desperate. Because you think about Adelaide, the population in South Australia is quite small to, compared to Victoria and New South Wales. So some of these major companies had their own internal team. So Adelaide, poor old Adelaide got neglected and that's where Gym Fix come in. So I put my hand up and said, look, hey, certify me. What do I need to do? So I got trained in, uh, by these manufacturers and yeah. that's the beginning. Yeah. That's awesome. When so, was that? Like so, put, some, put some years behind So um, what are we now? We're 2020. So 2013, I officially registered Gym Fix. I would have done it from about 2011, 2012. I was just a one-man show, you know, just working out a van. Like people would ring up, Todd, my machine broke down at 8 o'clock at night. I would put my work clothes on and drive out at 8 o'clock at night and go fix the machine because I was hungry. You know, I just wanted that. I just wanted the name out there, you know. I knew I was capable of doing the job, but like any business, trying to get your – your branding out there, try to get recognition. It's it's bloody tough. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I love the story. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. real I, grassroots stuff. I'm super proud about stuff. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I knew, I knew that it started real grassroots because I remember the Gym Fix van. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing you drive around and kind of fix this equipment. I was like, fuck, what is Todd doing? What's going on here? Oh, okay. He started a business. But, yeah. you know, it's such a… Um, such like a, um, a, a beautiful entrepreneurial story where it's like, you know what, you had a couple of things that kind of came together. It was your your passion for the fitness lifestyle yeah. plus your skill set in engineering. Yeah. And you identified a problem. Absolutely. That touched on both of those, the passion and the skill set. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I can fix this problem. <sighs> Absolutely. And not only because it's one thing to kind of go, yeah, fuck, I can fix this problem, but then you've got to take an action. Yeah. Right. And yeah. through taking that action, through putting yourself out there, through trying to figure out, okay, this is the problem. I'm the guy to fix it. How do I go about fixing it? You go and, you know, make the right calls and, and um, contact the right people and so on and so forth. And before you know it, you've started a business. Very cool. It's very cool. Like, so learned, that, that's learned the hard way. And yeah. Had, had massive successes and massive fails, but yeah. it's all been worth And we'll it. get into those in a second because I think that those are going to be super valuable. Where is Gym Fix at now? So, so that's, right, where, that's where yeah. you were 10 years ago, 11 years ago. One man show, driving around to the gyms at eight o'clock at night, <laughs> yeah. fixing broken cables, reupholstering fucking machines and all that sort of shit. <laughs> yeah. Give me a, a little snapshot of where you're at yeah, now. Yeah, so right now we've had some massive progression over the last 10 years. So now we've expanded from South Australia. We also have the Northern Territory and they've taken on Western Australia and in the process of now making the leap over east doing Queensland. So warehousing in every state, technicians in every state, vehicles, spare parts. Yeah, so it's… And is the business still primarily doing the same thing? Like it's mainly just fixing, maintaining, you know, different brands, gym equipment and, and that sort of thing? 100%. I've never sort of deviated from where we started. You know, would have people ring me because, Todd, I've got this treadmill. I've had it 10 years in the garage. What, what should I do? And we, we're very transparent. We're, we're honest. We say, hey, mate, that thing, you can't get parts anymore. Like do yourself a favour, throw it in the bin, go see a retail outlet and buy a new, do an afterpay, whatever, because everyone's obviously got different budgets and stuff. Um, yeah, so we still do from that level up until um, treadmills, the same value of what a car is these days. It's phenomenal like, how expensive these things are now and people put them in, in homes. Um, commercial gyms that are, where that have three, four treadmills, they're now buying 16, 18, 20 treadmills, you know what I mean? So 
Yeah, so we do from top to bottom. We now, like, we do laying rubber flooring, you know. It's all the little things that people oversee when people are creating a new gym. So, yeah. and we've got fantastic contractors we deal with, like, so electricians, sign writers. So we try to give that, we try to bring it in, like, we treat gyms like they're our, our own. So, yeah, we just, we try to give people our advice because, you know, we've learned the hard way. We've used certain companies or we've used different products and it hasn't worked. So that's just the evolution, yeah. How many staff do you have now? So I'll be honest, a lot of my guys now, in terms of full-timers, we're up to nine full-timers now. And then um, a lot of guys that I'm using is also contractors as well. Yeah, yeah so in terms of contracts, because I do a lot of stuff in FIFO now. So some of these guys, they'll do all my FIFO contracting work. So, Yeah. So you've gone from a one-man show to a 10-man show, plus contractors when you yeah, need them. We're, we're nearly up to 20 now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and, this is, and, and this is why I really wanted to get you on for a chat because I know that, you know, we have uh, a few different people that tune into this podcast. On one hand, you know, um, for the fitness side of the things and the general personal development, development and so on and so forth. And then um, on the other hand, we have business owners. You know, that might start, there might be a one man show like you started, yeah. like I started, and they're trying to get their business to a million bucks a year, so to speak. Or they might be like a three to five man show and they're doing two, three, four million and they're trying to get to where you are, the 10, 20 employee, you know, or they're trying to go beyond that. And, you know, a lot of people at different steps along the business journey. And it's really interesting talking to, you know, people like yourself um, and being able to kind of tie that into my, my personal experience as well, because very similar, right? Like we started literally as a one-man show. We started by identifying a problem. We started by going, okay, this is a way that I can combine my passion with my skill set and I'm the guy to fix the problem. And then we just started, right? And we've been able to kind of go from that one-man, very small business to, you know, the 20, 30, 40 employee type business doing multi-millions of dollars of turnover. And that's kind of where we're at. So we've, you know, we've been on that journey and we can kind of touch on, I know a lot of the people that listen that run businesses are interested in knowing how do I go from one to three? How do I go from three to five? How do I go from five to 10? How do I go from 10 to 20? And those, you know, a lot of the challenges you come up against, although they might be packaged differently, they're all kind of very similar. Yeah. So with yeah. that in mind, that's where I want to start with you. Biggest business challenges that you can remember along the way over the last 10 years. What were they and how do you work through them? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for me where I struggled initially was I was so overwhelmed with the quantity of work coming in. So being a one-man show, like I enjoy working. So I'm, a, I'm not like most people. I'm up 3, 3.30 in the morning, and I'll grind till 10 o'clock, seven days a week. It doesn't phase me. And back then, doesn't matter who it is, you still get burnt out. And I got burnt out. So trying to answer phones, trying to do accounting, raising invoices, quoting, then being on the tool. So I did the best I could in the beginning and it wasn't long before I forget to ring people back. I did crappy work sometimes, you know, I'll own that. So, and then I'd have to do a rework. I'd have to go back to a customer's house. Sorry, I was on my A game that day and I'd have to refix stuff. So, um, so that's what I sort of learned really quick going, you need help. And that's probably the biggest advice I would say initially is, you know, you need to know your limits and my limits, yeah, within six months, I pretty much, yeah, outgrew myself. 
And then that's where I had to lean on um, business advice and get the the best thing I always tell people, get a good accountant. Um, I didn't register for GST in the beginning. I made all these little mistakes. And yeah. when I did register all for the GST… All startup mistakes. Oh, you got this massive bill. And the ATA is knocking on my, <laughs> yeah. on my shoulder. Hey, Todd, you got to… Hey, man, we've yeah. all been there. I know. Well, that's, you know what? That's how I can tell that someone literally started from the bottom. I'm like, remember that first GST bill you got? Yep. And I see the look in the yep. eyes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. we speak the same like, language. I to quit on the spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so it was all um, – so I just uh, implemented how am I going to do this? How am I going to be better at what I do? Um, so from handwritten diaries, we got rid of that, went into phones, started doing notes using, using what digital was available back then, which was quite minimal compared to today. Um, being more proactive about, um, look, you can't please anyone. It's one of those things, you know, people have secondhand machines. They buy secondhand. There's brand new. There's scratches. I'm not happy with this. So I think dealing with problems where people may be a little bit too reactive and think, oh, mate, you're, you're just a painful customer. You're a dickhead. Like you can't treat people like that, you know. You can might think that, but I was like, no, nah, I'm sorry about that, mate. I'll come rectify. I sort this. So as my business grew, you know, I put the right people in the right departments. I um, grew in terms of the software back then in terms of tracking jobs. Um, I rolled over to my job instead of doing shitty old Excel um, invoices I converted to PDF. So I, I laugh about it now, but back then I thought I was like – I was killing it. I thought I was the world's best entrepreneur. And I look back now and think that's awesome for where I started, but it gets to the point where you cannot do that anymore. So, 100%. Yeah. So, we just, um, for small businesses, I think the biggest thing for small businesses is um, chasing payments. That's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, for me, it got to the point, I remember one, this is on a story. Yeah. I remember on Christmas morning, I woke up and I had 17 cents in my account. I couldn't even afford two dollars worth of hot chips, and I was a breaking point mentally and physically. I'm like, what am what am I doing this for? Like, I know the quality of work, I know my passion, I know my drive, but why not? Why not? I'm not getting paid. So, so that was another hurdle. I think lots of small businesses don't take into fact. You know, everyone wants a thirty day trading terms, but thirty days miles will be sixty and ninety in this era, unfortunately. So then I had to go. Well, how could I make this simple? So had to get FPOS machines. So just the general evolution of my business was like, why didn't I do this earlier? So, but at that time, you just didn't know any better. So um, just recognizing and forecasting. I'm a big on forecasting. Like what you think you're doing right now, are we going to be doing that in six months or are we going to outgrow that? And we're already seeing that as we've gone to multiple states, you know, creating new entities, new businesses. So it's, it. I tell I tell people all the time, wherever you start, you think that's it, that's that's far from it. It will exponentially get more difficult and you have to have more procedures, implement more things and it, it will never stop. Okay. I'm going to stop you right yeah. there because I need to dive into some of these things. And I all know right. if I don't, the listeners and the viewers are going to be like, Joe, <laughs> tell Todd to stop. Ask more questions. <laughs> all right. So a couple of things, man. Yeah. This, you know, this, this, um, Burnout, uh, this concept of burnout. And I think, you know, one of the things that's inherent in uh, true blood entrepreneurs is I'm just going to outwork everyone. Yes. Right? Like yeah. we all, we all kind of have that. It's yeah. just like, how am I going to make this work? I'm just going to fucking outwork everyone. Yeah. 
That's how Which it works. Is, literally. And, and you have to ha- like you have to have that, right? Because if you don't have that, you're just you're gonna get fucking beaten. Yep. So you, you need to have that. But it does get to a point, especially with startup businesses, where it's like you can't do everything. No. Right. And you need to get to a point where, you know, it's not just about how hard you work, it's about how hard you work and then also how smart you work. And I know that that's a cliche saying like work smart and not harder, which is bullshit. You need to do both. You need to work hard Agreed. and smart. But at the same time, you need to be chasing productivity, not busyness. 100%. Right? And this is, this is one of the things that I say time and time again. There's no points for busy, right? You can be the fucking hardest worker in the room. If all you're doing is spinning your wheels, you're not going to progress. You're just going to continue to be the hardest worker in the room. The room's going to stay the same size. It's just going to be you in it and you're going to do your fucking head in. So it gets to a point where it's like, okay, I need to start being more productive. And you kind of mentioned, you know, the things that you did around processes and procedures and those sorts of things. And I think that those are super important. And I think that those are almost, they're almost inherent because you get to a point and it's like, I can't keep writing fucking manual invoices, no. right? I can't keep um, uh, whatever, whatever the kind of manual process is. I need to get more streamlined. I need to get more efficient. And then that takes you so far. But then you get to the point, and this is where I really want to get to because I think that this is going to provide a lot of value for our startup business owners. You get to a point where you need to bring other people into the business. Absolutely. Which is really fucking hard for two reasons. The first reason is you have to delegate the work and the work is your baby. Yep. And it's really hard <laughs> to give somebody uh, else, yep. right? You're like, it's oh, my are, baby. They, are they going to do the same quality? Are they going to treat the customers the same way? You know, that's really difficult. And then on the other hand is the financial aspect, Absolutely. right? So you're, you're yeah. earning what you're earning. Yep. And now it's like, okay, and you've got your expenses and whatever they are, but it's pretty easy, right? Revenue minus expenses. That's what I'm earning. Literally. Now you've got payroll to worry about, right? So how do you deal with those two things back then and even now? How did you deal with delegating and giving up the, the keys to the kingdom? And then how do you deal with around the financial aspect of it is going, okay, well, fuck now that income that I was earning, I'm going to have to give up 60, 70, 80, 100, 120,000 of that a year to somebody who in the short term is going to hurt because fuck, that's a lot of money. But it's hard it's, to swallow. But it's something that I need to do to continue. Yeah. And, and at that time when I first was doing that, I was just like, do I, don't I? You know, it's a lot of money to give away, you know, quality of work, all these things, you know, those demons that that little man sits on your shoulder and goes, no, nah, don't do it, don't do it. And then, so all I did, I set myself a bit of a goal. So I thought, you know, if I want to take someone on, and just say the work dried up tomorrow. Like I've, I've always been very confident. I know the work's there. Yeah. And I thought, do you know this? I'm going to set myself a goal. So what I did, I saved up enough wages for three months yeah. and I put that in a bank account and I go, you know what? I'm going to take someone on because if the work runs out, I'd never let anyone down, mm-hmm. but I know I could pay that person. So that was our initial goal. And it was, it was tough, you know, with cash flow back then was still pretty crappy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how we did. That's how the first hurdle. I'm not saying that everyone should do that, but that was our first goal was actually another thing we did. We, at that time, we had no credit cards, no loans, nothing. We did, we went to the bank and we got like a $5,000 credit card. Mm-hmm. And when we just bought parts, it just gave us that 50 days interest free instead of paying up front. And that just flowed us that little bit. Um, but yeah, in terms of building our team, we bit the bullet and uh, hey, 
in business, you get the good, you get the bad, you you get let down, you have highs, but you know that that's that's the wave you just got to ride. So yeah, so we we did that. And it, you get the right people. You know, you got people that do become passionate. You know, and I'm I'm always a big believer. If someone wants to do something bigger and better, I wish them all the best. You know what I mean? So I've had fantastic guys work. I've got fantastic guys that still work for me. But you know, we're big on development. So when we brought that first person in, you know, work side on side goes. Look, this is how we do this. This is how we do this, and this is how we communicate with customers. And you know, if we do something wrong, communicate. Say, hey, we didn't do this right. And, you know. Human nature, we're simple people. People just want to be communicated. They don't want to be lied to. So we've sort of kept that tradition all the way from beginning to even now saying, you know, honesty, owner, the problems that do happen, they're not going away. Nip it in the butt. The sooner the better. So, but yeah, in terms of um, it was hard. There was lots of sleepless nights taking people on and yeah, you know, we've, we've grown and then we've had to downsize. That's a few hurdles we've had to do over time. We've had big contracts and we couldn't sustain the staff we've had. So we've, like any business, we've had to let people sort of go, which is devastating for us. Mm. But then we've built ourselves back up. But it's, yeah, it's, it's daunting, but I only recommend it. When you get to that size and your mental state and your physical state is suffering, that's the biggest sign, you know, Take on a casual for a couple of days a week. Just, you know, anything that could alleviate that pressure. And I honestly, I think most businesses, if you're good at what you do, that will steamroll and that will grow and you wish you did it earlier. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big piece of advice, right, is it is really difficult. Um, we've both been through it. I see it a lot with small business owners is, you know, the, 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 the delegation piece and then the financial piece as well of bringing people into the business. At the end of the day, you're going, it's the only way through that glass ceiling, right? It because is. you yeah. can't, you can't continue to, to just work any harder. There's yeah. so many hours in the day, right? Yeah. You can't just yeah. keep burning the candle at both yeah. ends and expect something to change. Oh, absolutely. The only way to do it is to start delegating. And the only way to do it is to take the short time financial hit, bring people into the business and then look at it. Don't look at it. You know, this is something that, that a lot of small business owners um, have the wrong perception about. They look at it as an expense. Look at it as an investment. It, absolutely. I think that's right. where people look at it wrong. It is an investment. You have yep. to invest in your people. Yeah. It's the only way you can grow a business. Massively. You yep. have to invest in your people. And the other thing you have to invest in, and this helps with the delegating side of things, is the training, the resourcing you know, spending time with your people. It's just like what you said. This is how we talk to customers. This is this is the customer experience that we want to give. And that needs to be a big part of it as part of the delegating the handover yeah. process. Yeah. I think a bad mindset to get into, um, and this is something especially early on in a business, is that your employees are going to care as much as you do about your business. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Even the, the best fucking employees who really, really care about their jobs, <laughs> yeah. right? And care about the success of the business because the business needs to be successful for them to continue to have a job. They're not going to care about the business like you do. 100%. Right? It's just never going to happen. No, it would never happen. Right? But with the right training and the right resourcing and the right processes and the right procedures, you can really 
start delegating a lot of this stuff to really good employees that are going to give you a really good return on that investment. Absolutely. Both time and finance. 100%. And most people want responsibility. You know, they want to be, they want the opportunity to do something. You know, I think that's where the perception, people think goes, oh, mate, you're the shit kicker. Go sweep the floors in the corner. No one wants to do that. You know what I mean? If you trust, I guess, mate, I really want you to give this a crack. Have a go at it. This is how we do it. I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm not going to stand over you. Give it a go. And when you do get stuck, come over and grab me and I'll help you. You know, that's that's how we try to build because that's the fastest way to learn. Give it a crack and hey, sometimes they break, sometimes they fail and it's how we rectify that, you know what I mean? But I find my staff have really picked up and taken a bit of ownership when we give them that ownership opportunity. Yeah. With great responsibility comes great power, man. It does. Yeah. It's yeah. very true. All right. I need to ask about the uh, 17 cents in the bank account thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I want to ask, uh, well, I guess the, the, the question that I have about it is why didn't you quit? I'm not a quitter. You know, it's, I was so close. I've been so close so many times. Yeah. But I hate to say, I love what I do. Yeah. I think that's what the drive behind it. It's not really a money-driven job for me. Mm-hmm. Like I generally enjoy seen people invested in the fitness industry. So at that time, it was devastating because, you know, um, Jess and I, we wanted to get married and all these plans and we couldn't even catch a cab to town. So that's that was heartbreaking as a as a bloke because I'm a blokey bloke. I like to provide, you know, and that's the sort of person I've been brought up and how I am. Well, it's an important value to you. Yeah. Uh, and and was, for, for a lot of men it is. A lot of alpha males in particular. Yeah. Is. I was just yeah. like, whoa, how is this even possible? And you plead to my creditors and debtors, say, hey, guys, I really need, before we do this next job, I really need to, and you just get spun every story. And that was 10 years ago and it's still the same now. So... Well, we'll talk about the economy in a second. Yeah. It's probably worse now than it's ever been. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So but it was just one of those things, um, look, I've wanted to, but I've never, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I'm built to queer and... Um, not saying everyone's like that, but just me as a person. I had so much drive and I had, I've always had this goal. I want to be here. I want to do this. And we always set two years, five years, 10 year goals. So I had a big plan and I wasn't giving up that easy. So do you think that that, because like, I really, I really want to dive into this because this is a big fucking deal, right? One of my theories about business and I'm, I'm, gathering more and more evidence the longer that I um, am in business for. And I'm coming up to, shit, I'm coming up to 20 years almost. So I'm still, look, I have, you know, it, it, you know, in terms of the business journey, I'm still a spring chicken, but I'm getting some good, you know, um, notches on my belt, so to speak. But one of my theories about business is that it literally is a game of survivor. If you can just never fucking give up, no matter what happens, and you can just hang in there, even when it's at the point where there's 17 cents in your fucking bank account. Yeah. And you can just hold on to whatever the thread is that you need to grasp at to just take the next step. Those who are able to do that are always the most successful people in business. And it doesn't surprise me to hear this from you because you run a successful business. And I know that anybody that has, has had one of these moments where it's like, fuck, there's 17 cents in the bank account or the bank account's actually in the fucking red at the moment or, you know, whatever, like the, this is the make or break moment for me. 100%. 
and you choose to continue to take one more step. Do you think that the vision of what the future could be was what helped you take the next step? Or was it, was it something to do with Jess then, who was, you guys were engaged or at least yeah. you were dating? Like what, what was yeah. it that you anchored back into that you were just like, Todd, just, just fucking take one more step? Yeah, I think I've always had support. I'll be honest, Jess has been amazing. Whatever it is, she's always like, no, you got this. So having that, we, we deem ourselves a team. Like she still works in her business now. She runs our office and she does our HR and admin and runs the call center. So she's still part of the business, which is fantastic. I think as well, one thing I didn't say as well back then, I didn't have debt. That's one thing that saved me. So I bought a van. I used my own money. I bought a secondhand van. I didn't buy a brand new van. My tools, I had tools that I bought over the years. So I didn't have loan repayments to make. So that's 17 cents, which was devastating. But I didn't, on Monday, I didn't have a $200 loan to, to repay. You know what I mean? The only thing I think I expensed back then was diesel, you know, rego and a phone back then. So that's one thing that did ride me through. And that's one thing I do recommend to a lot of people starting out don't have the nicest, fanciest vehicle, you know, don't, you know, I think work speaks for itself, you know, whether it's a product-based business or um, labor, I just think stay in your own lane, do what you do best. And I've stuck by that. So, but in terms of that last bit of like grasping to the final straw is, yeah, my wife obviously you got this. And I knew I knew we were destined to big things. It's just such, it's such a great industry that's grown so much. And I knew if I just rode this wave and got another foot into the door and here and there, was, our time would come. I, always, I never gave up on the fact that our time would come. Yeah. How quickly did your time come? Oh, From that moment to yeah. like when it really started like… Yeah. So the first two years were my toughest. Yeah. Just um, that was like the first two years, like the work was there, but I think it was toughest because we didn't get paid and wasn't recognized. And like any small business, the rates we charged was um, like standard, standard wages, you know, where now I know that, you know, with business and what you're worth, and I could have charged more back then, but within two years, we ramped up. We actually ramped up too quickly. After the first two years, we then got recognized within the fitness industry and then everyone's knocking our door. Oh, could you guys do this? Could you guys do this? And my team at that stage was too small and me being a yes man, that's my weakest link because I won't say no to anything. And we become technicians for so many different brands and I couldn't be in multiple states and it five different gyms in for massive fit outs at a time and um, it backfired on me. So, you know, we did actually lose some major contracts, which was another disheartening, like it broke me because I take stuff like that personal because I want to be the best and I want to give people the best customer service and, um, you know, when these people were saving up to buy these gyms and it's their pride and joy and I love being a part of that. So, you know, the day the gym opens and people stand there going like, oh, I can't believe I've done this and I feel just as proud as them. So, yeah, so we that's what I mean. It's it's never, It hasn't been a nice ride but… It's been one of these bumpy ones, been, right? Ups and yeah, downs, man. Ups I wish I could sell a better story but it's… There's the highs, like I said, the highs yeah. have been… Are fantastic. So rewarding, but the lows have been, yeah, it's just the sleepless nights and the stress and yeah, trying to deal with being a stressful person. You, you don't, you don't, you know, with staff, I want to be as professional as possible to staff and you don't want to be that snappy bloke and, oh, your boss is a dickhead. Like, you know what I mean? I've been <laughs> yeah. there, you know, and I've upset yeah. people and, and that's not, I'm trying to, still with me, nearly 40 years old, I'm still trying to better than, 
Lucky Jess, she hammers me constantly about that. But you know what I mean? It's because when you've got happy workers, you've got productive workers. So that's that's yeah. the biggest thing. But yeah, it's just um, it's one of the, it's one of the you know the messages that I repeat to my guys around here is you know because every business goes through it right like we have periods where like we're like fuck all right we're doing all this work and we're putting in all this effort and it's just not producing the outcomes that we want it to yeah. produce and then we have periods where everything's firing and it's fucking great awesome <laughs> yeah. but my thing to my guys is is especially when we're going through those really tough periods in business is go guys like. Look at what we get to do for a living. Yeah. Like fucking we get to literally help people improve their lives through health and fitness. 100%. By providing supplements and apparel and information and inspiration and the videos and the podcasts and all this. I said, name another industry where you get to do that every fucking day. 100%. Like, all right. Yeah, we're going through a tough period. Yeah, shit's just not firing the way we want it to fire. But let's be happy. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Look at what we get to do. Yeah, I agree. We get to come in here, yeah. chill out with a bunch of fucking awesome people, do this awesome work. We, all of our customers are always happy. We never have upset customers, ever. Doesn't so get much better than that, it. does it? It's the best, man. Yeah. It's the best. I love it. Yeah. It's funny though because that, um, you know, just to kind of circle back to the, the make or break type moments. And the reason why I asked like how quickly did it turn around is because one of the themes that I've noticed is if you can get through that 17 cents in the bank account period and you can just take the next step and then the next step after that and the next step after that, often the flip, the turnaround happens very quickly. Very quickly. And I'm not surprised to hear that it happened to yeah. you to the point where it got a little bit out of control. Yeah. It's like that… Um, there's a mem where there's a there's a guy with a pickaxe yeah. and he's and he's he's swinging so close the, to the pick and so close to the yeah. diamonds right and the top of the mem is he just walks away yeah. and like that's it I give up and then you see how many fucking diamonds are out there you just needed yeah. to swing it a couple more times and yeah and that's business man 100% that's, like that's business you couldn't define it any better yeah and one thing as well is changing your mindset yep. for me um I was poor, I had a poor attitude back in the day. I'd be like, this is shit. Why is this happening to me? Yeah. Why is everything against me? It's happening and then for to, you. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah. So I just took it all on board, copped it on the chin, progress, and literally everything exponentially grew. Yeah. yeah. What's your biggest business challenge now? So going from yeah. the, the one-man show, couple years in, to where you are now, 20 employees, multiple states, much bigger business. What's the biggest challenge yeah. right now? For me, yeah. my backbone of my business is obviously my staff. Mm-hmm. So the biggest challenge I have is um, definitely staff is – and I'm I'm a big believer of having the right people for the right position. So we do have like a domestic side of the business. So we have the right people in that department. Then we have the commercial side. So I, I do tailor that. But – yeah, it's it's. I couldn't explain it in a nice way, but having staff, it is quite difficult because you're going to deal with you know people have good days, people have bad days, you know people have they make mistakes, like you know because like you said, that that's not their business, so they don't treat it like that's own. So managing staff, managing different personalities, um, 
different skill levels is probably a, a big thing because everyone wants to be the boss. Like my, at my business, it's, it doesn't need a boss. It doesn't even need a manager. It just needs a team. So I expect 80% from everyone Monday to Friday. I don't need one person doing 140, another one doing 40 and 20 here and there. I need a team effort. So, so I've had people that have been phenomenal, like the world's best person on the tools, but they didn't have the right attitude for the team and they upset other people. So it's, yeah, managing the right team with the right people that work as a team I think that's what makes me successful. So, culture, man, it is it's company it culture, is. and you never get it right. It's never perfect. You know? It's 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 uh, it's a never-ending business challenge, and I think it's the one. You know, it's interesting on my business challenge, uh, on my business journey personally, and then I do so. I do a lot of business mentoring with um, owners in different businesses, and right down to like little startups, one person business, just got an idea and trying to make it work right up to my biggest mentoring client has like 30 employees and I see everything in between. Right. And you know, that combined with my business journey as well, it, one thing that happens is when you get to a certain level, so you get through that first glass ceiling, which is like, I need to delegate and I need to bring people into the business. And then that kind of works for a little bit. And then you get to like the next glass ceiling and there's a few, there's a few in between, but just to kind of jump ahead, you get to like the next glass ceiling is how well can you manage people? And if you can be a good manager of people and you can put the right people in the right places, give them the right motivation and get the most out of your people, you'll continue to grow. Yeah. If you can't, that's going to be your glass ceiling. I think so. Yeah. And that is kind of like, you know, that's that challenge at the, you know, the eight to nine turnover figure mark, you know, when you get to like more than let's say 10 employees, right? Then it becomes, it's not, it's not so much about, and you would see this, right? It's not so much about the day-to-day operations of the business. It's about getting the different people within the business to work together. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> to make the machine work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? I know. And nothing surprised me anymore. No, no, no. And yeah. I think it's never ending. I was, um, you know, I've just finished reading a book uh, by Ray Dalio. Um, Ray is a uh, uh, head, well, he was, um, he started the biggest hedge fund in the world. He started Bridgewater. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yep. And so I'm yep. reading Ray's yeah, book and, and day, yeah. The, yeah, the principle, uh, the book is called Principles. It's work and life principles. And in the work side of the book, he's talking about work principles. And so much of the book is about people management, yeah, <laughs> you know? know. And so he, you know, at the time he wrote this book, Bridgewater was 1,500 employees. And he's still talking about how to get people, how to get the reporting right, lines right, how to get the motivation right, yeah. how to get people in the right places, how to hire people, when to notify people. Yeah. And it's literally a book on fucking people management. Yeah. <laughs> you know? know? And I'm like, and he's at like, over the a thousand end. employees, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's it's still the same. Has the same problem. <laughs> like that's you get to a point professionally where you just that that's what you do. Yeah, I'm a professional people manager. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> and it's it's not easy. You know? No, it's it's it's, it's really not. Um, it's you know, not pleasant. It's, Sometimes you have those shit awkward conversations you don't want to have, yeah. and then you know. And for me, I look at some of my guys. Some of my guys will be like, "Mate, what happened there?" They're like, "Yeah, I fucked up." And like, they, they can cope with that. Then I've got other people like, mate, what happened here? And they take it personal. They're all depressed. I'm like, no, it's, it's not about that. You know what I mean? So 
reading your, your staff and catering to staff. And it is always, I'm, I'm very like about egos. You know, everyone does have an ego, but it's, it's maximizing that each individual person because I'm such a big believer, you know, we all have families to go home to, you know. So who wants a shit home life when your work life's shit? So if you can have that, it's, no one wants to work obviously, but if you can make work as pleasant as possible that you can go home and go, yeah, it's been a tough day, but all good. You know, and that's that makes a big difference as as opposed to in fuck, I hate work all day. You know what I mean? Because then then you do look at going elsewhere, and the grass might be green elsewhere, but it might not. You know what I mean? That's that's the society we live in. What what I'm interested to hear this from you actually. What golden piece of advice can you give, given your experience, where you're at currently when it comes to managing people, building this company culture? Like, what do you think the people listening? Because I know I'm just I can I can feel them the business owners with like 10 or more employees just nodding their heads for the last 10 minutes. They're like, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. What piece of advice can you give to them to go, this is what's worked for me up until this point. This is what I suggest you do. Yeah, so what, um, getting probably more feedback from your staff, involving more. So, you know, whether it's a breakfast you guys do or uh, just a quick huddle at work and, you know, it's depending on obviously the size of the team, but I just think, people being involved a bit more saying, look, I, I don't really like when we do this, this and this. You know, if someone's confident enough to tell you that, that's fantastic. So I just think, yeah, it, it's it's a tough one because, uh, yeah, when you have multiple peoples and multiple egos, it's tough. But, yeah, I, I think involving more and asking for more feedback. Like I always say, look, guys, you know, you guys are doing jobs and how, why did you struggle on that job? They're like, oh, well, you know, we had to do this, this, this. I said, what tools do you need? I'll go buy the right tools to do your job. So we're very open and vocal about that. Um, but in also if they need support in terms of um, like we now – uh, have a software program. It's all portal-based. So if guys need a bit more technical information, it's it's on their phone. So, uh, But I, I just think that involving making them a part of the family and being recognised for they have a voice. Um, and we want we do want the feedback. Like sometimes I can be too much of a hammer and I'm very time-driven because time is money. I'm all about efficiency. But sometimes I'm a bit, a bit too um, harsh on people that are learning. So I might expect a job to be done in 30 minutes. They might take an hour. And I and I'll be, guys, what happened here? You know, your day's blowing out, blah, blah, this, where I'll be honest, Jess is the, that's where she comes in and she's a bit softer and it's like, hey, what, what could we do to make your job a bit easier and stuff? But I just, I just honestly think um, giving your staff uh, a voice and taking constructive criticism, um, it's a good thing. Great don't, don't take it as negative, take it as really good positive that your staff are comfortable enough to voice something and action it. Yeah, yeah. great advice. All right, change gears real quick because we need to talk about gyms yep. and the gym industry in <laughs> yeah. particular because this is something that like, man, anyone who's interested in the business side of the industry is always talking about how many fucking gyms? Absolutely. <laughs> I still say it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Especially here, like we obviously see it here in South Australia because we're based in Adelaide and it seems like there's a new gym opening every like two or three months. Literally. And then there's like 10 gyms that open in the space of like 10 weeks and it's just like fucking hell, man. Like how many people do you think live here? You obviously have an interesting insight to that. What are your thoughts on like, are we going to reach a saturation point with the number of gyms? Like... Because as consumers, it's fucking great. There's like a new gym <laughs> yeah. pop, like, you know, I there's know. a new one popping up and it's 
fucking 10 bucks a week yeah. or less. And yeah. I'm just like, man, I, like I remember back, you know, when we first started training, there was, you could literally on one hand count all of the gyms in the city. Yeah. And they were like 30 bucks a week. Yeah. And the equipment was yeah. shit. And, yeah, and everything was always fucking broken. Yeah. <laughs> you literally. Know? That's what I mean. Everything was so dear. <laughs> yeah. And they were quite average gyms. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and now as consumers, we're, we're completely spoiled for choice. You know, like people, I've started um, training at a new gym and people ask me like, what's it like? And I'm like, it's really fucking good. Yeah. But like, Everywhere's fucking good. Yeah, literally, that, you know, that's probably the biggest thing I know, tell people today. Yeah, coming from being so heavily involved from like I I, I laughed ten years ago yeah. if someone had a treadmill and they had the attachment with a TV on top of it. Yeah. I was like, fuck, this is the place that's to be. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You literally felt like a celebrity train yeah. that gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. um, the progression of that side is um. Gyms were expensive back then. I'd love to be a gym owner back in those days because you'd, you'd made bank. But 100%. Um, now with um, – there's so much competition. Li- I, I've said for uh, probably the last five years, I've thought we're going to probably not plateau, but I think we'll just ease off the gas a little bit. I'll be honest, in the last 12 months, it's probably been the busiest I've had in terms of brand spanking new gyms and people are not looking at base treadmills. They're looking at the top end stuff. So – it's quite they kind of like as a gym owner, you have to. I know. Just to just yep. to get your foot in the door yeah. of competing. Yeah. And I use the phone as an example. Like I'm gonna walk into Telstra. I want I want the latest Apple or the latest Samsung. I don't want the old fifty one ten. That that's the expectation these days. So, you know, I want Wi Fi, I want Netflix on my machine. So that's that's the standard these days. So And I think there's like there's there's two things that are happening, right? Is you kind of go there's a lot of competition in the gym space, which obviously there is. You just look at the number of gyms and number of new gyms continuing to open in every city, probably in definitely in every city in Australia and probably in a bunch of cities internationally as well. I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. But in Australia, like, you know, you've got the, um, I won't name them because it depends on where you are, but you've got 10 of these opening and then five of these opening and then they're going over to the other state and opening five there and then they're coming over here and opening 10 here. And so there's a lot more competition. But at the same time, like everyone has a gym membership now as well. They do. Like you go back 10, 15 years ago, unless you were kind of into bodybuilding or you were into uh, performance-based sports and strength and conditioning, not really. It wasn't not, many at all. Yeah. No. So you've got, you, you know, you've got the market growing, but then you've got the amount of competition happening. Where do you think the tipping point is? Yeah, this is like, we honestly, we still brainstorm over the same thing because we've been through the progression where um, from gyms, where basic little gyms, then touchscreens come out, TVs, all this. And then we've been through the whole cycle of of the F45s, the BFTs, because all of a sudden there was a big focus on functional training. Um, Well, the CrossFit boxes came before that, right? They were the introduction to to functional. You know, it's just phenomenal how much... People go, no, this is the demand now. And people jump on that bandwagon. And it's great. I think it's – anyone who's active in doing something for themselves, I take my hat off to them. I think it's great. Uh, but in terms of the tipping point of what's happening, how can you offer something that's different that someone doesn't have? Like I've been in the industry for a long time and I can't think of what what's – probably the biggest thing that's changing right now is probably the rehabilitation thing. There's lots of gyms we're doing now that are doing – cryo rooms, you know, infrared saunas, which just add-ons to what the gyms are. I think everyone's just doing that, you know, we've got a um, high-altitude room. So it's all these little extras on. 
But at that point, I think we might max it out within the next probably 18 months to two years. Like there's nothing else without poor old South Australia. No one's got these six, eight, ten thousand square meter gyms that we have on East Coast and in, in WA. So I just think in terms of the whole fitness industry, I just think if I was getting into that side, I would just do what I do best, you know, offer a clean, friendly environment, keep your equipment up to date. Um, that's the thing with like treadmills we do like I feel like every week there's oh this is new on a treadmill I'm like really I'm like we just installed that last week so even for us we're still blown away with like the evolution so I was, it's a it's a real hard thing um at the moment but um look it's it's not a bad thing with you know people can afford three, four memberships and you might like one particular one which is a bodybuilding orientated and another one that's functional. You want to go in there for your 30, 50 minutes and get hammered. That suits you. So I think people are lucky that they're, they're not missing out. No one's missing out on anything. There's no excuse not to be healthy and fit these days. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And yeah. it's like it's so cheap, man. Oh, <laughs> I, know, just, I think about what I used to and, spend on gym memberships. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and one thing that not people, people don't see, I see yeah. what it costs to fit these gyms out. So that's one big thing for me. By the, people don't realise, you know, by the time you buy some rubber tiles, you put some paint on the wall, you put some cameras in, you put some gym equipment, you pay a Sparky to do 15-out wiring. Like it's it's actually phenomenal. If you, When you break it down to tell people what it costs to open a basic gym, you would go, why would you do it? It's like, unbelievable. It is. And my thing is, you know, obviously I don't have the insights that, you have, but I can do some quick maths, yeah. you know, yeah. and I kind of know how businesses yeah. work, right? I've got a lot of experience in yeah. that regard. And I kind of look at it and I go, fuck, all right. Walking to this new gym, I'm like, okay, reckon the lease is about this much. And then I can see that there's this much worth of equipment and they've got two staff members on and I know how much they're paying their staff members and the electricity and all of these things. And I'm going, how many members do you reckon they got here? And they're paying... How much a week? Eight bucks a week? Nine bucks a week? I'm like, fuck. I know. <laughs> Even to the point where like, I've been using this as an example for people yeah. recently. Yeah. So when it's COVID, everyone expected these um, ISO wipes. Yes. It's not It's not mandatory anymore. Yeah. I got gyms that were spending $7,000 a month just on ISO wipes. Yep. So, But people expect that now. Yep. So you add that into a factor of a cost for a gym. Yep. You think about treadmills run 24 hours a day. Some of these bills for some of these gyms, we're doing nearly quarter million dollars a year electricity bills. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all these factors people don't overthink is, oh, I just want to open a gym. Yeah, there's a lot. A it's lot unbelievable. To, uh, and hence, we're in the last, like, a lot of people, the fitness goers, they were seeing, we've seen gyms that have been around, all of a sudden they've gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that that's the reality of the fitness industry. Something that's the flavor of the year, you know, everyone training in this one place, and then... You know, after 12 months, membership's running out and goes, well, I'm going to this one. This is the new one. So that's why you really need to be on, on your game forecast. You know, you know, I opened it this month, so really nine, ten months in. Let's just do a shuffle, move the equipment around. Let's do a tidy up, do some upholstery. Just the little things count to people. Yeah. yeah. What do you think the future looks like when yeah. it comes to So let's say, you know, you, you expect that there's going to be some sort of tipping point, saturation point in the next 18, to, 18 months, two years, let's say. What about five years down the track? What about 10 years down the track? What do you think, you know, it's going to look like? How's it going to play yeah, out? Yeah, like, oh, I do think about this all the time. I think about, you know, because I've seen… Because I know seen, you're big on like forecasting yes. and, and, and visualizing and those sorts of yeah. things. So I know that you've given this a lot of thought. Yeah, it, it's… Look, it, it's, it's a hard question, but I give it 
probably way too much thought because I think, you know, we we rode the COVID, you know, 24-hour yeah. gyms closed. So we had to diversify and we went to domestic. So, and I'm surprised how many people are still doing stuff for their homes at the moment. So I, I always think like, do you know, will, will it come to the point where people go to gyms, they're too crowded, so I want to do a setup for home or, you know, evolution of some businesses the big get bigger and the smaller die away like that that could be a potential for joe blow having a small gym down the road can't compete against these people doing five dollar a membership is is a gym memberships are going to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to the point where people can't cover their costs so look i think the big uh organizations the big franchise all that they i just think they will they're always going to be there like some of these ones have been around for 20 odd years you know what i mean i just think they'll be I think they'll just recognise what they could do better. Like I see it now, some of these gyms, that we've known the part of your culture, you're growing up, you just, oh, everyone went there and they've been left behind now. So they've sort of picked up the pieces and they're making comebacks now. So I, I just think we're going to have this, I think the, the big chains and the big successful gyms are just going to hold their own. And then I just think, unfortunately, some of these little ones that – yeah, the, the, anyone in business are going to see, you know, on that bottom line, if it's not looking healthy, you know, it's you got to do the right thing and pull the pin, unfortunately, which I hate seeing any business go under, but that's the reality. You know, I, I couldn't have a gym and sell memberships for $3 a week. Yeah. You know, I mean, no one that's can a, do that. That's a point. Right? That's exactly yeah. right. So, you know, some of these gyms that are driven by volume, mm -hmm. so you go to a gym and, you know, it's packed, it's massive, but you need that 4,000-odd membership. So... Yeah, then I look at the PT studios that we do. Like some of them do fantastic, some don't do so well. Then all these chains of like the the, the BFTs and F45, is that a fad or is that going to have longevity? Like that's still up in the air, you know what I mean? So some of these big gyms are trying to do that sort of thing within a gym, but it also comes back to the pe people running it. Of you course. Know, you could have the world's best spin room and have the worst instructor and no one's going to go. You could have the crappiest old bikes and have the best instructor and you've got a full class. So I think some of these – I think the successful gym owners in the coming years are going to be more owner-operators. They're not going to be investors. There you go. That's my forecast. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of moving pieces though, isn't there? Yeah. Like there this, is. you know, because I, yeah. I think about this a little, not as obviously not as much as you do because I'm not as involved in that side of the fitness industry as you are. I think about it in the supplement side a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this, I mean, there's so many moving pieces, man. Like there's, yeah, yeah. And the cost I, of living, look at, look at, yeah. Getting onto the economy, yeah. like, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's tough. Well, let's, days. you know what? Let's, that, Let's go there because that's yeah. where I really kind yeah. of want to end on, right? Because we've, you know, we've, we've spoken a lot about business and I know that, um, you know, a lot of the business owners uh, that, are, that are tuning in, no matter where they are at, in the size of their business and where they are in their business journey, uh, there's a lot of fear at the moment, right? There was, there was definitely a lot of fear a couple of years ago as we went into COVID and then we were kind of propped up through government stimulation and whatnot. And now we're kind of really seeing, I mean, in the US, they've been seeing it for at least the last six months, if not 12 months. And in Australia, where we generally follow what happens yeah. in the US and, you know, we're kind of coming into, let's call it the, um, the second part of the storm. <laughs> let's say the first yeah. part of the storm was COVID, especially yeah. in the fitness industry. And then we've been sitting in the eye of the storm. Yeah. And now we're yep. coming out it's, the other side. Yeah, we can't keep sweeping that under the rug. So. Yeah. No, we can't. Um, I'm interested to know what your thoughts are 
on what's going to happen uh, economic, general economic wise. Um, and you can kind of, you know, speak specifically to the, to the fitness, but just business in general as well, if you want to. And then what your advice is on how to deal with it. And before you answer, I just want to give a little bit of context because I know that a lot of the listeners and a lot of the viewers are similar ages to us and younger, which means none of us have really professionally experienced a downward spiraling economy before. We just haven't. The last one was 2008, 2009, GFC. Back then we were in our early to mid 20s and all the younger listeners were a lot younger. We just didn't know what the fuck was going on. And then all we've seen from 2010 right up to 2020, and then we had a little blip and then it kept going. The last 12 years has been growth, 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 growth. Absolutely. And now it's the writing's on the wall. I know. It's inevitable, yeah. right? Yeah. We're coming into whether it's being forced to be or whether it just was always going to happen. It doesn't really matter. No. We're coming into yeah. what is going to be, a, if not a recession, no one likes using that word because yeah. it's all scary and shit, but <laughs> it's just an economic term, guys. Um, but we are coming into a contracting economy. Literally. Right? Yep. So, Like it or not, it's happening. Yeah. So yep. what are your thoughts on how it's going to play out and what advice can you give? Yeah. So it's, this is a really tough one because like you said, a lot of us haven't seen it. I, unfortunately, my parents in 1990, you know, they lost everything and I saw the heartbreak of my parents having to restart again. So, but it's it's so up in the end. There's, there, there is no plan. There is no answer at the moment and it's um, – we just need to be smart. I literally, I just think we, like for me, like I was, I've spoken to you previously, like we we could, I could go out and buy all brand new vans to upgrade all my fleet. And yes, that's a tax deduction. I can depreciate that. But is it the right thing to do at the moment with what's coming to our future? The next 12 months, 18 months, it's, it's going to be catastrophic. And I think we just need to be smart. It's, um... I use coffees as an example. Like we all like our latte and we'll pay that, seven, eight dollars every morning and not bad night because that's what you just tap and go. That's the same price as a whole week's gym membership. So people ask me, do you think the gym industry is going to cop it? The diehards, no, they're not going to give up a gym membership. They'll give up a coffee over going to a gym membership because some people use the gym as a social outing. Some people use it for wellness. Like at the moment, I'm, I'm not prepping to do anything at the moment, but my mental state is so much better when I go there. It's I therapy. Sat, it is. I sat at the gym and did emails for 45 minutes and didn't, didn't move one piece away. But um, some days I train like a crazy man. But I, I think everyone's – I think the fear – that probably the media is going to give us is going to be probably, yeah, I I, I think um, a bit brutal. Exaggerated. Exaggerated. Like, yeah. Like the old that doesn't co- sound like the like, media at oh, all. Like the old COVID, <laughs> like people dropping dead everywhere. Um, yeah. But look, I, I just think um, be smart as a person. Know what you think you're wasting money. Know what you're not. Look, everyone's going to suffer along the line. There's gyms that are going to suffer. There's going to be doesn't matter what industry you all come in. It's it's going to be tough, and I just think we're just going to have to ride it like our parents and um, grandparents have been through. But it's and this is where I think it's going to phase out the people that are you know not as probably established where they'd want to be. And that's what I'm saying. If you're a young person um, getting into business and you're a one-man show, this might be the time where you might just have to pull back a little bit and just be the one-man show just for now. Um, You know, 
you just have to – everyone knows their own circumstances and I just think being smarter and not overcapitalizing at the moment, don't put yourself in that debt. Do you really need to go buy that jet ski because all your mates have got jet skis? You know what I mean? I, that's me as a person. I'm a very minimalist like that because um, my time will come. One day I will sit back and uh, enjoy the things that I've, I've gone without, you know. But, yeah, it's – look, hey, I'm worried. You know, um, because my, my my customers are going to be hurting. You know what I mean. So some of these gyms that rely on a minimum of four hundred members to break even, they might be three hundred and fifty members, and they're pulling money out their savings to ride that through. You know, and that's where they might have to go to the bank and say, "I'm going into an overdraft." They're paying interest on that. So the roll-on effect it's going to be quite. Devastating, I hate to say, but I think being as smart as possible, making the right decisions um, will get us we'll, – we'll all come out on the other end. It's just – I wish – honestly, I just wish everyone the best for it because, um, yeah, I don't have the answer. I wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, – look, I'm a very strong believer and it is my opinion. It is coming. Some people tell me, no, it's not, but the writing's on the wall in my eyes, so – Mm. The way the way I kind of think about it is very kind of um, matter of fact, like right. And and over the last eighteen months, I've done a lot of reading of uh, like historic uh, reading of historical economy, economic activity because I'm trying to because I'm very well aware of the fact that I I've never seen this before, right? The the GFC I was. What was I, 23, 24 in the GFC? Yeah, I had MJs, but it was, you know, I think we had like three or four people, right? And and uh, literally it was just online. It was a completely different business to how it looks now. Um, so I'm very well aware of the fact that I don't have the experience to, to navigate. Very similar to COVID, although back then no one really had the experience <laughs> to navigate. But, you know, economic cycles, they've happened time and time again. So I've done, I've tried to educate myself on, okay, what happened in the GFC? What happened in the 90s? What happened in the 70s? Is that 30-year cycle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it depends which cycle you're looking at. There's big cycles and then there's mini cycles. And, you know, so I've tried to educate myself on how things happen, why things happen, how they play out, because they always play out, yeah. right? It's not like there was there – was, one recession that like wiped out the human race <laughs> yeah. and fucking then the economy, like it's, yeah, you know, start that, although that, that's how the media will make it sound. hundred percent. Right? Like, Absolutely. End of the world, Armageddon type shit. <laughs> but so I try and take a very matter of fact is I kind of go, okay, look at what's happening, right? Interest rates are going up. There's economic monetary tightening policy, tightening fiscal policy. This is what, this is, it's designed to get the economy to contract. Because if the economy doesn't contract and we have out-of-control inflation, the value of every dollar it's less reduces. That's right. right. And so it's it's the better of two evils. So it's going to happen. At least we don't print money over here. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. It's a whole different podcast. Do you have crypto? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> that's the real future. Anyway, um, you know, very matter of fact, this is why it's happening. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. You can either fight against it yes. and bang your head up against a brick fucking wall. Yep. Or I know you can be like embrace a, it. You can embrace it. Yes, you know. Yeah, you can fight against the seasons. You can work with the seasons. Literally, my advice is to work with the seasons. Same. Understand that this is much bigger than you. Yep. There's nothing you can do about it, other than look at what's happening. Understand why it's happening. Understand how it's going to happen, and then align yourself with 
all of those happening. Couldn't say any better. Work yep. with the seasons, not against them, and everyone's going to be just okay. Yeah, I think so. I think I think we'll be okay. You know, I mean, I think the people at the max of the hill and have that excess debt and stuff. You know, those people can sell stuff off. You know, and come back. I just think it's it's like you said. Look, it's rider. It, don't fight it. Don't be in denial. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't Todd, have said any better, mate. Thank that's you fantastic. so much, man. Thank I think that's a great me, place to end, right? It's great. Yeah. I've had a ball. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. No, yeah. I really appreciate you giving uh, giving up your time. I know it's been a crazy busy day for you. It's so, been a day. It's been you a came day. in, you're like, I've got this happening and that happening and this happening and that. I'm like, dude, we could have just pushed the podcast. Oh, but no, no, I appreciate no, it, man. I'm it's glad been I made it. it's been an awesome chat. And I think that um, you know, especially the the business owner listeners and viewers will have taken a lot of value out of this podcast. It's, it's not very often that you get um, you know, two people with between the two of us, almost forty years combined business experience in the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, you know, to talk about these things. So, um, thank you, man. I really fantastic. appreciate it. No, uh, little plug for your business. Yeah. So, Go for it. Fix Australia. Yep. Um, we've got a brand new website going live by the end of this week. So, any inquiries, anything you want to know about us, it's all on there. Our history, our clientele, what we do, even the smallest things. You're unsure. Look it up, have a squeeze. We've got an inquiry page on there. Shoot us a text, whatever, any sort of avenue that suits you best. We're there and looking forward to helping in any possible way. Yeah. And you guys do, you know, don't just think that it's just commercial gyms, right? Because no. that is a big chunk of your business. No, but I mean. you do home gym stuff too? We do even re relocations. You know, you're moving houses. You know, we do all of that. You know, uh, we do insurance stuff. So, you know, you've moved and something's been damaged. We come out and assess and do the quoting for insurance companies. So, you think of fitness and that's us. We'll do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And if people want to find you on Instagram, I know you're not super active oh, on no. Instagram, I need, but I need to you do my have Instagram. Yeah, so yeah. it's gymfix underscore au. Yeah, so we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll make a point of it. We'll, we'll get better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, here, you, when people are starting to tag you on the, the um, previews from this show, you yeah. have to start getting back nah, to I it. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, thank you so much, Thanks, man. Joe. Really appreciate it. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode.